Welcome to Renegade Rules. Kick back, settle in, and let us fill your ear holes with early learning information, wisdom, and advice. And now, here's Heather and Jeff. Welcome to Renegade Rules. I'm Jeff Johnson, and in studio with me via telephone is Heather Shoemaker. How are you doing today, Heather? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. We're recording today about um, mentors, and the reason the, this, this topic came up is that uh, recently, within a, a week or so of us recording this, uh, early learning kind of uh, legend, Bev Boss, passed away, and uh, a, a big loss to the early learning community, and I think it's got a lot of people in this profession profession reflecting on their mentors and how they can be better mentors to the people they work with and those kind of things and so we thought we'd maybe uh talk about the topic for a little bit so where you want to where you want to get started that's right well i i want to make sure that that people who who don't know bev know just a little bit about her um bev boss as you say, a legend in early childhood learning. Um, She's been the director of a cooperative preschool that's just an amazing school out in California called the Roseville Community Preschool. And the things that she lets kids do would boggle most adults' minds (laughs) as far as risk and independent play and creativity. I mean, she's the queen of all that, and and she understands kids so, so deeply. And what's been great over the years, over the decades, is that she has welcomed people to her school, um, not just the families that bring their kids, but visitors from other states and other countries. And she's spoken around the world to spread the message and and written books so that, uh, you know, kids everywhere can benefit from her wisdom. So I know that many, many people who've met her or heard her speak are, are really saddened by her loss. And in fact, last week when I was giving a talk in San Francisco um, to, to a whole group of San Francisco cooperative preschools, the evening was uh, billed as a tribute to Bev Boss so that um, you know we're all remembering her, but we're also doing our part. And I think this is the part that Bev would like. We're all doing our part to continue catching her spark and spreading it like wildfire around the world. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I, I never met Bev. I, I read her, her, read her. I, I watched video of her. Never made it to a presentation. Never had a chance to meet her. And, and I, 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 you know, you always think there'll be time to do that sometime. And and so when I when I woke up uh, uh, the morning after she passed and and saw the 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 news, I was, I was kind of heartbroken and it kind of, kind of spurred me on to, to make sure those, that I'm, I'm connecting with those people that I, I, I think I, I, I want to connect with because, uh, uh, time keeps ticking and that kind of frustrated me. Um, she, she, uh, influenced, uh, my podcast buddy Lisa Murphy and uh, host of uh, the Shaken Bones show Dan Hodgins and uh, and and their work greatly. Um, I, and and I know not only I, I mean she she affect, impacted generations of people working mm-hmm. in this profession and exactly. I, and she was a huge mentor to the School for Young Children, which is where my mother taught for forty years. And those um, those leaders in that school had met Bev several times and visited her school, and she visited their school. And so there's 
the preschool where my mother taught the school for young children is the one that's inspired all the books that I've written. Uh-huh. So it's, um, it, her influence is everywhere. But I think she does something that many adults forget, is that she has this deep, deep trust of children. And she knows that what they choose to do is basically not just okay, but but a sort of a thrilling example of what they need to do. And she makes, she welcomes that, makes room for it, um, loves the mud, loves the risk, and just opens up her her um, heart and her space that she creates for kids to do exactly what they need to do. I mean, mess is totally welcomed. Yeah, and I, it just makes me, it makes me happy that she. Uh, she was out in the world doing her thing because she was from everything I heard. The other big thing about her is she was a, a real true original. Um, she, she, she had, had the spark that, that kind of, uh, uh, drove her and she, she just put her own unique self out into the world. And I, I just, I just hope that, that more of us can, can learn from that and, and, and do that in our lives. Um, I don't think I don't think Bev. Um, I don't I don't think there was a, a fight in this profession that she wasn't up to to putting time and energy into when she felt it was necessary. Yeah, so it, it makes us all think about what what can we do in in our part where you know when you have someone who is unique like that we're not going to step into her shoes but we're going to step into our own shoes. We each whether we're a parent or a teacher or a school director, there's things that we can do to make life more welcoming for kids, to make it better for, for letting uh, young kids be young kids and for growing good human beings. And we all have our own style for doing that. But as you say, now's the time. <laughs> you know, we have this life that we've been given, and so we need to pick up the mantle and do our part. Yeah. Um, and for some of that, like me, it's writing books. Uh-huh. And for others, it's teaching every day in the classroom. And for others, it's raising your own kids. But um, understanding child development and then putting it into action is, is is a wonderful way that we can do our part. Yeah, and I think that's that's kind of what we're trying to do with this show, too, is to put that information out there in a a easy-to-consume format so so people who want to pick it up and do something with it have, have it as a tool. So... Um, right. I, I hope people find uh, value uh, in that. Yeah, I just wanted to mention um, the school that, that Bev ran for so many years is a, is a cooperative model. Um, and, of course, there's all sorts of models of preschool. The preschool I went to as a child was not a parent co-op. It was a, run on a different model where the, the teachers were the ones leading the classes. But sort of like a co-op, they just welcomed parents into the classroom. So my mother got her start as a teacher by never leaving. <laughs> um, she was just always observing. She wasn't getting in the way of her own kids. It was my older brother that was there first. She wasn't getting in his way. He was off doing his thing. She was just shadowing the teachers, hanging out in the hallways, listening, um, hanging out in the classrooms, and watching how the teachers who were more experienced interacted with the kids. The words they said, the calmness that they had in the face of a kid losing it, just all those little things, and just soaked it up like a sponge. And I think in a co-op model that that can happen too because the parents are encouraged to be right in there and they take their turns in the classroom. But how else do we learn these skills really? We're not born with them, at least most of us not born with them. 
And so we need to be soaking things up from other people. And, um, you know, that's something Bev was so good at, was just welcoming people in and letting them soak up and watch it in action and see how well it worked. Because, to be honest, a lot of times we'll say, oh, well, that's fine for somebody else, but I'm not sure how it would work with my kid, or I can't see that happening in my class. But when you see it in action, suddenly it makes sense. And you think, oh, right, the kids didn't go ballistic. The world did not come to an end when we did it this other way. Oh, I see. Now it really works. And that is so powerful. Yeah, I, I, I love that. It's it's kind of an apprenticeship uh, model uh, when when you're looking at it as a, for staff development and, and being able to see that experienced practitioner do their thing is is so rich in in nuance that you don't get from from uh, going to a, a session at a at a conference uh, that observing the, uh, the the doing of the of the of the of the thing is, is real, real valuable. And I mean, it's, it's the same for, for plumbers and, and copper workers as it is for, for people working in that early learning classroom. If you can, if you can learn from somebody that does this thing well, um, right, learn from a master. And it, it is funny because we sort of expect, well, we expect the plumber to have done the journeyman training and done uh-huh. the apprenticeship. But for parents, we just assume, oh, they'll get it. Yeah, <laughs> they'll just yeah. pick it up. Um, it really is an apprenticeship, as you mentioned. And, and yet we're often isolated when we're parenting. I mean, we don't live in the multi-generational households uh-huh. much anymore. Um, even if we're living in a crowded city street, we don't even maybe know our neighbors or we don't know how they are parenting. And so there's this sort of isolation cube around each family that makes it so tricky. So people are reaching out to blogs or they're reaching out to social media and sometimes getting great advice and other times getting misadvice. Yeah. So it, it, it's hard. But when you're in the presence of somebody who really uh, knows what they're doing with young children, it, it, it shines around them. I remember even before I had kids, I was sitting in the doctor's office waiting for my appointment, and I was watching a, a young mother and her two daughters who were playing off in the waiting room, and I was watching her interactions because they were so unusually good. She was calm. They were having a few problems and sorting it out. She was making helpful comments once in a while, and it was just so extraordinary because it wasn't the kind of words that you usually heard um, parents snap at their kids, especially in a public setting. (laughs) And I started, my radar went up. I started paying attention. I thought, who is this person? And later I kind of tracked her down and became friends. But we notice when we're in the presence of somebody who gets it. And we need to sort of spend time there and learn as much as we can. I I saw this on the beach in Florida last summer, uh, down in, in Clearwater Beach, they've got, uh, I can't, what is it, Pier 60 that goes out, and they have a thing there every night at sunset, and there's vendors and everything, and then people go out in the end of the end of the, end of the dock and fish, and, and uh, this, this dude was there with six kids, all under the age of probably 10, uh, youngest was probably 18 months old, and he took, was taking them fishing. And the way he interacted with these kids and the way they engaged with him was incredible. This dude, this dude could have went out and, and, and taught. I mean, if he, if he, he could have went out and taught how to, how to, how to interact with kids and engage because just questions and, and, you know, the kids were, they just, it, it was, I can't even put it into words. It was a beautiful thing. I, I stalked him 
for 45 minutes that evening and and as we were leaving i had to go up and and uh and and talk to him because and you know tell him that you know this was this is this is awesome parenting because i think every once in a while uh parents because we because they don't have that intergen intergenerational relationship that we used to have and and they feel alone so many so often um having having a, a kind word from somebody a pat on the back is kind of a, a good thing every once in a while and so we chatted for for a while and and he went on with the the kids and the fish and and we went back to watching the sunset but those things are those those moments are amazing yeah, and I think that we need to, whatever walk of life we're in, you know, if we're, if, if we're a teacher in a program or, or a family member, find ways to open up things a little bit more. Find ways to invite people in to um, see how your classroom works. Or if you're at home and you're feeling like you're living in one of those isolation cubes, uh, reach out and, and interact with other people because it's that mentoring that shapes us and turns us into who we are and, and then the ability to share it with others. It feels so good, um, which I think really is why I wrote It's Okay Not to Share the first book in the first place was I was gifted with growing up this way with a mother who'd been mentored by wonderful mentors at the School for Young Children. And so when I became a parent, I was totally baffled by infants, but once I got past that little part, <laughs> you know, I, I knew what to do. I was confident. The first temper tantrum, I was almost pleased because I thought, oh, yay, I know what to do in this circumstance. <laughs> and I, it, it was, it, it was a, a great boost of, I just wasn't feeling lost. I wasn't feeling that I had to yell or I'd have to do any of these things that people do when they're feeling lost. Um, and I realized that the parents around me didn't have that foundation. So um, however you can, whether it's giving a book to somebody or whether it's just spending time together, you know, mentor the people around you because nobody wants to feel lost. We all want to have some tools that help us feel confident and trust uh, things that we say to the kids will we'll have a good result. Yeah. Now, how... How do we go about? You mentioned earlier that you know a lot of people are looking because we don't have that that close knit um, connection to family uh, and community uh, in our physical world that we used to. A lot of people are looking for for support and mentors and parenting information online. And like you said, there's good stuff out there and there's bad stuff. How can a young parent, a first time parent, um, how can they differentiate between the good stuff and the bad stuff? Um, yeah, well, it can be confusing for a while. I think that um, one thing is to try to connect yourself um, to a good play-based preschool. And if, if you're interested, I have a whole blog post, How to Find a True Play-Based Preschool, because most of them will say, we're play-based, we're play-based. <laughs> and they actually don't know what true play is when you're talking about children. So um, you know, check out that blog post. It's heatherschoemaker.com. There's a blog that says how to find a true play-based preschool. But if you find a good one, one that you think really understands play, uh, there will be mentors there. There will be fellow parents who are just one more step further along the line than you are. There will be teachers who get it. Um, but on the flip side, if you find a school that doesn't truly understand child development and truly understand play, you can be set back on, the, on another track. Um, you know, you can, again, get some misadvice because there's a lot of programs that I've observed that really don't 
understand what the play is, what true play is, and they can they can send you down a, a different track of thinking. Yeah, there's there's programs that are very good at writing about it in their handbook and and using the language, but when it comes to putting it into practice, they uh, they tend to fall right. short. Um, that can be so that can be a exactly. Thing. So you know, here's some tips, and, and there's more in the blog post, but things to look for. Always go and observe. Don't don't believe uh-huh. the handbooks. Um, as a writer myself, you know, I know you can write nearly anything <laughs> if you want to in a handbook, but you've got to do what's going on in, in the class. So always observe. Mm-hmm. And once you're there, look for certain things, including are there dress-ups? That's a very simple one. Um, I was at a, a preschool, um, and this is one that my one of my children was at for a very short time, and we donated a whole batch of dress-ups to the teacher because we noticed there weren't any in the class, so we thought, oh, maybe her budget ran out. <laughs> well, so she said thank you with a smile, but, you know, she never put the dress-ups out. She uh-huh. had no idea what to do with them, or she didn't have room for them in her agenda, so they never came out, not once, the whole school year. And so look for signs of dress-ups. If there's dress-ups in the classroom, that's one clue that maybe you're on to a... Um, and the kids are using them. Yeah. <laughs> One clue that you're on to a play-based program. Um, you know, look for things like um, going outside even when it's raining <laughs> or radical things like that. Um, sometimes just looking and finding big cardboard boxes in the classroom. Uh-huh. Oh, so they recognize that this is a, uh, a, a toy, a prop kids can use for all kinds of free play. There's, there's a million different uh, things you can look for, yeah. but there's, one, if you find my, these ingredients, you're going to probably be on the track of a good yeah. play-based school. I, one of my favorites to look for is is the uh, the daily schedule. Most programs, uh, most states require programs to post their, their schedule uh, someplace in the classroom. And if you're seeing a lot of transition times, uh, or the days divided up into little tiny blocks of time, and uh, there's lots of switching around. Uh, it's usually, to me, an indication there's not a whole lot of uh, child-led play going on because there's, right. there's more. Now it's gym class. Now yeah. it's Spanish class. Now it's snack time. Now it's this. Now it's that. Yeah, yeah. For for play to happen, the kids need big blocks of uh, of of time to make that happen. And when you don't see it on right. the schedule, right? In fact, it's not some play-based schools they don't have a schedule at all. They yeah. arrive. They play, they go home. Yeah, yeah, and th- and that's the ske- and that's the schedule. Some of them post by the door uh, to keep the licensors happy, which I think is awesome. Right. Um, right so right. It's, it's about time to wrap this up. Um, I, th- I think mentors is something we're probably going to want to come back uh, uh, to in f- in future episodes because I I would love to hear about some more of your influences. I know your mom and some of the staff at the, at, at her program were influencers for you, but I think there's more conversations we can have here, and I, I, uh, I, I think there's, it's, a, it's a well we can, we can uh, keep coming back to. But, uh, um, you know, if, if you had a chance to, to know Bev, I'm, I'm sure you're missing her the way we are. If you've got a mentor in your life, um, reach out to them and let, let them know that maybe because uh, I think it's, it's probably good for, for – for those connections to be made because sometimes uh, sometimes we get so busy in the, the hustle and bustle of life that we, we kind of neglect those kind of things um, and then regret it later. So, uh, you know, it might be a conversation you want to have with somebody. Or maybe yeah, the not. Thank you con- the thank you conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think uh, I, I sent out a couple of those uh, uh, messages uh, within uh, the first couple of days of hearing about Bev. Uh, anything else you want to throw in here to wrap things up, Heather? Well, I was just thinking uh, when you mentioned that reaching out and thanking your mentors, my, my new book 
It's Okay to Go Up the Slide is actually dedicated to um, some of my elementary school teachers, and I just had the fun of looking them up to see if I could find them to let them know the book's dedicated <laughs> to them. <laughs> and these are, you know, from the 1970s, and I know um, we all called our teachers by our first names, so they're Anne and Sue and John and Ruth, and I thought, how am I going to find them 40 years later? Oh, wow. Um, but I, it's amazing what the Internet has produced, and within a short half an hour, I, I found all their recent contact information, and I'm really excited this week I'm going to sit down and write them each a letter. And I'm trying to imagine what it would be like on the other end to be the first-grade teacher who gets a letter 40 years later from uh -huh. a former student who says, not only did I learn so much from you, but I dedicated my book to you. Oh, that's, that's awesome. awesome. So th that's something that's just going on right now with me. But mentors, you have a lasting, lasting influence. And all of us, even if we're not at mentor status yet, you might be in 10 years. So keep that thought in your heart. Hey, we can't wrap it up any better than that. We'll be back next week with another episode. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Music by Alexander Shoemaker. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.